Welcome to the show. I've spent years trying to wake up my countrymen to the federal government's income tax scam. In the past, I've discussed America's misunderstanding of payroll withholding law and things like the Form W-9. Despite the widely accepted public narrative, those things have zero applicability to ordinary working Americans. In my previous presentations, I've provided easy-to-understand explanations of how the government has perpetrated various aspects of its scam. Again, my purpose is to wake people up. I want my fellow Americans to take off the blinders and say, wait a second, am I being scammed out of my property? And if it is a scam, which means the government has been lying to me my entire life, I don't want the government stealing from me anymore. Hoping at some point the truth will wake you up is why I do these presentations. Today I'm going to give you evidence you've never seen before. That proves, yet again, that Congress has never imposed the income tax on you, but also that the executive branch is well aware and chooses to continue stealing from you. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. Why does the government continue stealing from you? Answer, because you let them. You let them by refusing to read a single word of tax law. In other words, you've chosen to let them steal from you by choosing to remain ignorant. Can you imagine telling your kids about that? Hey kids, I'm choosing to let the government steal money from me that I should be using to give you the best life possible because I've chosen to remain ignorant. That's something to be proud of. Quite the role model. Today we're going to look at some statutes, executive orders, and regulations that make it abundantly clear the government is lying to you in order to steal your property. From 1951 onward, the country has been blanketed with things called internal revenue districts. An internal revenue district is the name given to an area in which the IRS operates. As examples, if you live in Ohio, IRS operations take place within the Ohio Internal Revenue District. If you live in Houston, Texas, it's the Houston Internal Revenue District. Los Angeles is covered by the Los Angeles Internal Revenue District, and so on. Each Internal Revenue District is led by an IRS official with the title District Director. If you want to see the list of current districts and district directors, check out 26 CFR 301.7514-1. If you're speaking with an IRS employee about an income tax issue and ask under whose authority they work, they will tell you it's under the authority of the district director. But is any of that legally factual? Let's begin our inquiry by taking a look at how these districts were established. Congress required the districts to be created when it enacted Section 7621 of the Tax Code. 7621 reads, quote, The President shall establish convenient internal revenue districts for the purpose of administering the internal revenue laws. Close quote. Interestingly, the code itself never defines what an internal revenue district is. Do you not think it's odd that the statute commands the president to create something without telling him what it is he's creating? Shortly after 7621 was enacted, the president delegated his responsibility to create internal revenue districts 
to the Secretary of the Treasury. He did that in Executive Order 10289. At this point, we have Congress enacting a statute commanding the President to create internal revenue districts and the President delegating that to the Secretary of the Treasury. So, what did the Secretary of the Treasury do to fulfill the requirement of Executive Order 10289? In order to place Executive Order 10289 into effect, the Secretary wrote Treasury Order 150-01. Treasury Order 150-01 created 33 internal revenue districts spanning the nation and covering every state in the Union. At this point, some of you may be thinking, Congress ordered internal revenue districts to be created, and they have been. Mission accomplished. And as far as that goes, you're right. But remember, income tax law is written with the goal of misdirection to make it as difficult as possible for the American people to discover the truth. So you can bet your ass there's more to this story. Before we move on, I want to take a moment to summarize where we're at now. Remember I said that Congress required the creation of internal revenue districts by enacting Section 7621, And do you recall that I asked you if you thought it was odd that Congress commanded the president to create internal revenue districts without telling him what internal revenue districts are? Let's discuss that for a minute. Those who don't follow tax law likely don't know that virtually all tax law originates at the Treasury Department, not Congress. After Treasury decides what it wants done, it sends its people over to meet with GOP and Democrat leadership on the Hill to inform them what Treasury wants passed into law. And to be clear, congresspersons and senators do not know jack shit about tax law. So when Treasury comes over and says, you need to pass this into law, far more often than not, Treasury gets what it wants. Understanding that's how U.S. tax law is created, let's review what happened in 1951. The Treasury Department decided it wanted to create internal revenue districts, but knew it didn't have the authority to create them on its own. Treasury's legislative draftsman came up with the language, quote, the president shall establish convenient internal revenue districts for the purpose of administrating the internal revenue laws, and... Treasury's congressional liaison people presented it to leadership on the Hill. Leadership told their people to vote for it, and it became law without Congress or the president knowing what internal revenue districts would actually be. The Secretary of the Treasury, who is part of the president's cabinet, told the president not to worry about such niggling details and to simply delegate the responsibility over to him via executive order, and he'd take care of it. You may have gotten the drift that Treasury was the moving party behind all of this and got what it wanted without anyone involved in the process knowing anything about the proposed internal revenue districts. I want to draw your attention to the fact that this occurred in 1951 because shortly after World War II was when the government began erecting the framework for the massive disinformation campaign it was about to launch and which continues unabated to this very day. The purpose of the disinformation campaign being to convince Americans that income tax applies to their ordinary domestic income when, in fact, it does nothing of the sort. With that behind us, what areas do these internal revenue districts cover. Let's use the Los Angeles district as our example because Americans tend to know the names of communities in LA because of the entertainment industry. If we were to take a map and use a red crayon to draw a circle around the Los Angeles area to approximate the boundary of the Los Angeles internal revenue district, what parts of LA would be covered by that district? Do you think Hollywood would be within the Los Angeles district? 
How about Pasadena, Burbank, San Fernando Valley, Century City, Marina Del Rey, Bel Air, Brentwood, Beverly Hills. Those are all within the metropolitan area known as Los Angeles. So they should be within the authority of the Los Angeles district, right? But again, because the government has done nothing but lie to you for more than 60 years to get you to believe a completely false narrative, you can expect things are not as a normal, intelligent person might think. Let's talk for a moment about how regulations play into this. Statutes and other government documents that lay a duty on the American public or explain how the government is implementing a statute that affects the public must be laid out clearly in regulations the public can access. This requirement also applies to executive orders, and of course, Executive Order 10289 is involved in our discussion of internal revenue districts. Because the executive order details who is to do what in terms of internal revenue districts, it requires a regulation to be created and published so Americans know what their government is doing, what authority the government has in these new internal revenue districts, and what duty, if any, the public is under concerning internal revenue districts. Let me take a quick moment to encourage you to subscribe to the channel or follow the page and hit the like button. By doing that, you'll see more informative videos like this, and it also tells the algorithms to show this presentation to more people. Stick with me to the end, because not only is the truth about what the government has done going to get weirder as we go along, but I'm going to share a very special offer with you. Now, back to our discussion. Implementing regulations are the official statement of a cabinet agency, in this case the Treasury Department, of what a statute or executive order means and how it is to be carried into effect. Regulations are required to be promulgated by the agency if the agency intends to implement or enforce a statute or executive order. When a final regulation is issued, it is placed in the Code of Federal Regulations, commonly referred to as the CFR. How do we find the regulations written specifically for Executive 10.289? Simple. The good folks at NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, publish something called the Parallel Table of Authority and Rules that permits us to look up a statute, executive order, or similar document and cross-reference it to the implementing regulations. When we look up Executive Order 10.289 in the Parallel Table of Authority, it tells us the implementing regulations are in... Title 19 of the Code of Federal Regulations, Part 101. Having tracked down the regulation for internal revenue districts to Title 19, what is the name of Title 19? The title is Customs Duties. Customs Duties? Does that have anything to do with income tax? Let's see what Part 101 says. Part 101 is entitled General Provisions, and the first section is entitled Scope, and gives us an overview of what Part 101 addresses. Here's what it says. Quote, This part sets forth general regulations governing the authority of customs officials and the location of customs ports of entry, service ports, and customs stations. It further sets forth regulations concerning the entry and clearance of vessels at customs stations and a listing of customs preclearance offices in foreign countries. In addition, this part contains provisions concerning the hours of business of customs offices, the customs seal, and the identification cards issued to custom officers and employees. Close quote. Because this is the sole regulation implementing internal revenue districts, that tells us that contrary to the impression the average American would have that the IRS has income tax authority everywhere within the greater Los Angeles area, it turns out that in law, the only place that constitutes the 
Los Angeles Internal Revenue District are custom ports of entry, service ports, and custom stations, and that in terms of the Internal Revenue District, the IRS's authority is reserved to customs duties, not income tax. If the Secretary had intended Internal Revenue Districts to apply to income tax matters, he'd have written a regulation that would appear in 26 CFR Part 1. He didn't do that. Remember earlier I mentioned that Internal Revenue Districts are nationwide with each district led by a district director and an IRS employee speaking with you about income tax will tell you he or she works under the authority of the district director? Do you now see a problem with that narrative? People who buy the government's income tax disinformation accept a simpleton's version of income tax, which has no resemblance to the circles within circles complexities the government has concocted to keep the American people in the dark about the incredibly limited application of the income tax. Understanding there is a vast difference between the simpleton's view and the reality of what the government has done, let's now take this to the next level. That next level is this. At any time during this presentation, have you wondered whether district directors have some other additional authority beyond those they exercise at customs ports of entry, service ports, and custom stations? The answer is they do, indeed. But just as with internal revenue districts, that additional authority is not what you might think. If you go to the income tax procedural regulations in part 601 of 26 CFR, we find the first section, which is 601.101, is the introduction to the procedural regs. I'm only going to read a couple of sentences that are relevant to today's discussion, but I'll put the link in the notes in case you want to read more of part 601 for yourself. Before I read the relevant part to you, a quick word about the title of an IRS officer you're going to hear. The title of the IRS official in this regulation is, quote, Director, comma, Foreign Operations District, close quote. Earlier, we talked about Treasury Decision 150-01. In that Treasury order, the Secretary changed the title of Director, Foreign Operations District to Assistant Commissioner, International. I share that with you because in older regs and IRS documents, the title Director, Foreign Operations District is used, while in newer regs and documents, Assistant Commissioner International is used. It's the same guy with the same exact authority, just a name change. So, on with the relevant part of 601.101. Quote, Within an internal revenue district, the internal revenue laws are administered by a district director of internal revenue. Let's pause there for a moment to recall that internal revenue districts are comprised of facilities such as ports of entries that are under the authority of the Customs Department. Section 101 continues, quote, the director of foreign operations district administers the internal revenue laws applicable to taxpayers residing or doing business abroad, foreign taxpayers deriving income from sources within the United States, and taxpayers who are required to withhold tax on certain payments to non-resident aliens and foreign corporations. Close quote. Just to make sure you're tracking, at this point, the regs have specified IRS authority for taxes associated with customs, then shifting to income tax, wherein the regs limit the government's income tax authority to foreign operations. I say limits the government's income tax authority to foreign operations because if the only regulation the secretary has promulgated establishes income tax authority 
only for foreign issues, then that's the only authority. I want to make sure you understand what the authority is of the Director, Foreign Operations District. According to the Secretary of the Treasury, in this regulation, the Director of Foreign Operations District, quote, administers the internal revenue laws applicable to taxpayers residing or doing business abroad, foreign taxpayers deriving income from sources within the United States, and taxpayers who are required to withhold tax on certain payments to non-resident aliens and foreign corporations. Close quote. Are you clear on the government's specific, stated, and limited authority? Great. Now let's move on to the part that's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? The regulation continues with these words, quote, for the purpose of these procedural rules, any reference to a district director or a district office includes the director foreign operations district, close quote, since Treasury Order 150-01 changed the name of director foreign operations district to assistant commissioner international, we can also read the regulation this way. For the purpose of these procedural rules, any reference to a district director includes the Assistant Commissioner International. This answers the question of whether the district directors possess additional authority beyond the taxes associated with customs. The district director also has the authority to act as the Director of Foreign Operations, which means administering the internal revenue laws applicable to taxpayers residing or doing business abroad, foreign taxpayers deriving income from sources within the United States and taxpayers who are required to withhold tax on certain payment to non-resident aliens and foreign corporations. Whew. So when an IRS employee is speaking with you about income tax and says his or her authority is delegated from the district director, to which authority do you imagine it is related? Number one, customs duties. Or number two, Taxpayers residing or doing business abroad, foreign taxpayers deriving income from sources within the United States, and taxpayers who are required to withhold tax on certain payments to non-resident aliens and foreign corporations. I gave you only those two choices because the district director only has those two authorities. And remember, that's not me saying it. You just heard the Secretary of the Treasury saying it in his regulations. If you've been following me for some time, you've likely heard me say there are nine Treasury decisions in which the Secretary has instructed Form 1040 to be used by a non-resident alien with U.S. source income or the non-resident alien's domestic agent, and not one Treasury decision in the 110-year history of the income tax instructing an ordinary working American to fill out a 1040, or any tax form for that matter. So, if the Secretary has repeatedly stated a 1040 is to be used by a non-resident alien with U.S. source income, and the district director's authority includes administering the internal revenue laws applicable to foreign taxpayers deriving income from sources within the United States, as well as their domestic agents. If the conversation between you and the IRS employee pertains to a 1040, what authority do you think that employee is exercising, and what is the legal presumption under which the employee is operating concerning you? Now, let's go to another source so you can see that the law, the regs, treasury orders, treasury decisions, and the Internal Revenue Manual all say the same thing. What I'm holding in my hand right here, this big black three-ring binder, is part 1100 of the Internal Revenue Manual. The IRS never intended anyone outside the service to see part 1100, but I managed to get a copy. Part 1100 is entitled 
organization and staffing and lays out the entire structure of the IRS almost down to the guy who sweeps the floors. Let's see what it says about the Assistant Commissioner International, as well as some other offices you may think you know about, but don't. Here's the functional description of the Office of Assistant Commissioner International in Part 1100. Quote, The Office of Assistant Commissioner International administers the internal revenue laws and related statutes as they relate to U.S. citizens residing abroad, corporations and businesses whose books and records are maintained outside the United States, and non-resident aliens deriving income from sources within the United States. Close quote. Guess which divisions are components within the Office of the Assistant Commissioner International? Are you ready to be floored? Within the office of the Assistant Commissioner International, in other words, under the authority of the Assistant Commissioner International, is the Examination Division and Collection Division. What that means is the Examination and Collection Divisions have no authority other than that possessed by the Assistant Commissioner International. Let's check out the functional description of the Examination Division in Part 1100. Quote, The examination division administers an international examination program involving selection and examination of all types of federal tax returns filed with the Assistant Commissioner International. Are you waking up yet? And to be clear, Part 1100 informs us there is no other examination division or collection division in the entire IRS other than within the office of the Assistant Commissioner International. In other words, there is no examination or collection division within the IRS that has authority over the domestic earnings of U.S. citizens and residents. If we stick with using the Los Angeles district as our example, who runs the examination and collection function at the Los Angeles district office? The district director, of course. And as we've already discussed, in terms of income tax, the district director exercises only the authority of the assistant commissioner international. So the district director's authority pertaining to income tax is only international, and as you just heard, the examination division employee who works for the director has a functional description of, quote, the examination division administers an international examination program involving the selection and examination of all types of federal tax returns filed with the assistant commissioner international, close quote. I'll drop one more Part 1100 bombshell on you. The IRS's Criminal Investigation Division is also a component within the office of the Assistant Commissioner International. Do you want to hear the functional description of the Criminal Investigation Division? Okay, here it is. The Criminal Investigation Division enforces the criminal statutes applicable to income, estate, gift, employment, and excise tax laws, as well as applicable Title 31 and Title 18 violations per the Internal Revenue Manual involving United States citizens residing in foreign countries and non-resident aliens subject to federal income tax filing requirements, close quote. People often ask me why, if the income tax doesn't apply to the ordinary working Americans, People like Wesley Snipes got tried and convicted. I don't mean to be pejorative towards anyone who is a victim of the government knowingly, willfully, and intentionally misapplying the law, but allow me to answer that question by asking you a question. Do you imagine Wesley Snipes would have been taken to trial if he or his attorney had submitted Part 1100 into evidence on the administrative record back in the administrative phase? 
When evidence is placed in the administrative record, the IRS has to effectively speak to that evidence before the service can even consider a criminal referral. And how could the IRS have responded to the IRS's own words in Part 1100? The Internal Revenue Manual reflects the IRS commissioner's position based on the statutes, regs, treasury decisions, treasury orders, and revenue rulings. In other words, when the Internal Revenue Manual says the authority of the Examination Division and Criminal Investigation Division is exclusively, quote, United States citizens residing in foreign countries and non-resident aliens subject to federal income tax filing requirements, close quote, that's it. Case closed. The Internal Revenue Manual is the definitive word for IRS employees, and they are required to obey what the manual says. In other words... Snipes got prosecuted and convicted because he had no clue about the jurisdictional boundaries of the IRS, which reflect the reality that Congress has never imposed the income tax on ordinary working Americans. But get this. If Snipes had evidenced the administrative record with the facts you learned today, the government could not have used Snipes as a propaganda tool by taking him to trial. Furthermore, had Snipes known what you now know, the government's only choice would have been to leave him alone and let him carry on without filing or paying income tax because he would have had placed on the record that the IRS has no authority over Americans earning their own domestic income. I know a lot of people think government is all-powerful and you can never win against the government. But the fact of the matter is that when it comes to income tax, the government is between a rock and a hard place. They are legally precluded from taking people to court or, or even proceeding with creating a tax assessment when the government cannot effectively respond to the facts placed into evidence on the administrative record. And they are powerless to stop those people from safely walking away from the scam. The key is knowing the kind of things you learn today. So... How does it work out when you have the kind of facts you just learned today? It works out great, which is why I have not filed a tax return or paid a penny in income tax in 30 years. And here I sit, sharing with you how to safely walk away from their scam. Is there a compendium out there that contains all of today's information and everything else you need to know to safely walk away from the scam? There is. It's called Income Tax Shattering the Myths, and it contains everything you learned today and much, much more, all laid out in an easy-to-understand manner. I wrote Income Tax Shattering the Myths because at the time, there was no exhaustive compendium laying out the mountains of indisputable evidence the American people need to see in order to have 100% confidence that the income tax does not and never has applied to them. Only when you are 100% certain of the truth can you make the decision that's right for you. Income tax shattering the myths gives you absolute certainty about the truth. When I see a person comment about income tax shattering the myths on social media, I'll often screenshot the comment so you can see what those who've read it are saying about it. Brandon recently said, Income Tax Shattering the Myths is the best damn book that any American can own. It literally never leaves my present, written by the foremost expert on income tax in the United States of America. Close quote. And just so you know, that response to Income Tax Shattering the Myths is not unusual. 
One gentleman told me he keeps a copy at home, one in his car and another in his office because he never wants to be without ready access to it. Why do people feel that way about income tax shattering this? It's because not only does it give you that absolute certainty that the income tax was never imposed on you, but it's also like attending a fun, enjoyable mini law school. Leaving the income tax aside, it's unlikely that anyone will ever be able to bamboozle you about any aspect of law after you've read Income Tax Shattering the Mist. That alone is worth the money. But to make it even better, it's currently 15% off the normal everyday price. So not only will you get the education of a lifetime and have the ability to set yourself free from the government scam, if you're so inclined, but you can have it at 15% off. I'll tell you how to do that in just a moment. You may be aware, or maybe not, that the American people are the most diseased society in all of human history, and that's not happenstance. It was a plan set in motion decades ago to profit certain trillion-dollar industries. That plan has been driven to fruition by massive disinformation. So how far back does this sort of disinformation go? That's arguable. But here's a quote from William Casey in January 1981 at his first staff meeting as director of the CIA. Quote, we'll know our disinformation campaign is complete when everything the American public believes is false. Close quote. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you about my book, Body Science. I'll just say this. It shows you the disinformation that has led to Americans being the most diseased people in the world. It explains how human physiology that means your physiology, really works as opposed to what you've been led to believe by disinformation. And it tells you how to become one of the healthiest people in the world without kooky diets or arduous exercise routine. Much like income tax shattering the mist, once you know the truth, then you can decide what you'd like to do with it. Here's a social media post from a reader that I screenshotted just a few days ago. Ryan says, quote, on my last chapter of the book, Body Science, and just had to literally yell out, oh, fuck, Dave Champion, you did it again. You've created another piece of literature that is life-changing for the better, close quote. Here's how the special offer works. You can save 15% buying income tax shattering the mist alone, or you can get 15% off income tax shattering the mist and free shipping on your order by purchasing Income Tax Shattering the Mist and Body Science together. To get 15% off Income Tax Shattering the Mist when purchasing it alone, use the coupon code OWNIT. I'll put the link and the code down in the notes. To get 15% off Income Tax Shattering the Mist and free shipping on your order by purchasing the bundle containing Body Science and Income Tax Shattering the Mist, Use the coupon code FREEBIE. I'll put the link to that bundle in the notes along with the code. Also, purchasing Income Tax Shattering the Mist and our body science helps me be here for you with these thought-provoking presentations. Thank you for your support. Please share this show everywhere. And thanks for being here. Take care.